say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Grace Davis and He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, everybody. Welcome in on this Monday in the CUSA Game Day Monday. A big Monday. Looking forward to the game tonight. Are we? Are we looking forward to the game tonight? Yes? Houston, Virginia coming up at 7 o'clock in the Dome. Boy, I hope we're looking forward to the game tonight. Hopefully we're excited after the game uh, tonight. It could be a tough one. As the Orange embark in the back half of their, uh, continue to embark in the back half of their ACC schedule. They already embarked. It didn't didn't really leave Port uh, in the way as hoped on Saturday with a blowout loss at the hands of the Hokies. We'll get into that over the course of the show today. Guy who called it uh, for you on ACC Network, West Durham, will join us at uh, 3 o'clock. West was, um, West was emptying out the entire preparation bag on uh, Saturday. We heard about bacon. We heard about the history of the Hokie. We, we learned a lot of stuff on Saturday. We'll talk to Wes uh, about all that at uh, 3. And uh, ACC thoughts from uh, Mr. Durham and all that good stuff coming up at uh, 3 o'clock uh, today. I imagine he can share. We never really talked about this last week, the passing of uh, Billy Packer. But we can uh, touch on that with Wes. His uh, roots in the Durham uh, family roots are uh, deeply tied into the Atlantic Coast Conference, as are uh, the Packers. And obviously, Wes uh, co-hosted a show with uh, Billy's son, uh, Mark, for many years on the ACC Network. So it will be good to touch on all of that with Wes as well, coming up at 3 o'clock today. We will get into tonight's game, coming up at 3.30, with ACC writer, Virginia writer, Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. That's coming up at 3.30 today. We'll get you ready for tonight. And the second meeting now in about three weeks between Syracuse and Virginia. The last one, if you look at the final score, was just, you know, a kind of closest loss. Seven-point loss in Charlottesville. If you looked at the game, not as much. The Orange got crushed. Made a valiant comeback. Never actually had a chance to win the game. Valiant comeback. Down 22, 23 at one point. 22 with about 12 minutes to go. Got within seven. Uh, never really, though, had a chance to remove the really. Never actually had a chance to win the game. It was a peculiar game, but we'll see if the Orange can handle Virginia better from the get-go here tonight. Uh, this last Virginia Tech game on Saturday was very much like that Virginia game without the late rambunctious comeback. The Orange just got down and then remained that way. And then the game ended. And that was it. It was peculiar in its lack of competitiveness, considering the Orange recent games. We've been talking about, well, regardless of result, Syracuse basketball, gosh darn it, they're at least interesting. You you bemoan the losses to Miami and Carolina down the stretch, but you say, man, gosh darn it, like, oh, they got away, but man, those were fun games to watch. Ooh. Not as much Saturday. Not as much on Saturday. We'll certainly get into that uh, a little bit more. And some football news as well. The 2023 complete, full, volumized version of the ACC football schedule drops tonight. 
also at 7 o'clock. Why, why is everything happening at 7 o'clock tonight? Uh, we'll, we'll touch on that, including a, a Syracuse uh, game that will uh, neither be at home nor on the road. Neutral side affair with some history attached to that. We'll get into that coming up in about 25, 30 minutes or so. But we start with Saturday. And phone lines are open, of course, as they always are at 315-437-7644. If you want to talk about any or all of this, 315-437-7644. That is for ESPN uh, 44. So we'll hit all of that as we uh, roll along throughout the show today. But let's start on Saturday. Final score, Virginia Tech 85 and Syracuse 70. To date, the Orange have played four quad one games, according to the net metrics. The Orange are 0 and 4 in said games. They have, at the moment, subject to change, four remaining games against teams that would be based on locale, quad one games. Virginia tonight, Clemson, Duke, and Pittsburgh still to come. Now, are we talking about that in the realm of the NCAA tournament as of today? I don't think so right now because this team is not remotely in that conversation at the moment. They're not on the bubble. They're not on the, on the bubble's bubble, and they may not even be on that bubble's bubble's bubble. Like it would have to be when you you, you crack open a new bottle of bubbles and you take out the wand and you, you're, you're trying to make one. You know, sometimes it stacks up like... 30 bubbles long. That that might be where they are in jar right now. They're not, they're not near it. Like, if they want to make anything resembling a run, you're going to have to maybe win all those games and win a bunch of others. Like, there's no more room for error when it comes to that. But I don't think that's what we're talking about right now. Like, Syracuse basketball, better, worse, or otherwise, over the last, you know, all of our lifetimes, give or take, Certainly over the tenure of Jim Beheim. Always, and I mean always, at least wins a few games like that. Regardless of how the season goes, whether it ends in the national championship game, whether it ends in the NIT, or even last year when it ends in the ACC tournament and everyone goes home. The Arch, they always get one or two of those. Regardless of what else is going on, they're always able to play up at least a few times a year and snag one of those games that you're like, okay, man, this season didn't go right, but and it kind of always leaves you with the what could have been because you see, you know, what could have been, who you were good enough to beat. Like the primary year like that that stands out recently is uh, the John Gill and Andrew White year where, yeah, they missed the tournament because they had some bad losses, but they were just knocking off top 10 teams left and right. The most famous being Gillen's buzzer beater against Duke. So it's one where you, at least you remember back on that season. I don't want to say positively or negatively, but you remember back on it and actually remember it. It doesn't disappear into the ether. This year's team still doesn't have that moment. Tonight could be a moment like that. The Duke game always presents as potential for a moment like that. But you're running out of chances. And, you know, if you want to have any chance, we've talked about this now for the last week or so, of 
doing something crazy like winning four in a row in Greensboro, winning the ACC tournament and making the NCAA tournament that way. You're going to feel a lot better about that if you've shown the ability to actually beat one of the top teams in the league before that. Not just play close. Not just say you should have won the game, Miami and Carolina, or you could have won the game. But actually go and do it. And uh, tonight's the opportunity. Saturday, you know, I don't think Saturday had you won the game, and I realize you got cracked pretty much from the get-go. Ironically, not literally from the get-go. The Orange hashtag slow start actually started out in the first four minutes just fine. It was 10-9 Syracuse at one point before um, the bus drove off the cliff. But even if you'd won that game, yeah, it would have been a quad one win and the whole thing on the road. You know, beating Virginia Tech at Castle Coliseum doesn't, you know, ring the bell in a way that, you know, matters, matters in memory and the whole thing. So we'll see. But, man, it just did not go well. And the Orange defense, Coach Beheim talked about it after the game. We'll hear some from Coach coming up in a little bit. The Orange defense, just who are they guarding other than no one outside the three-point line, especially in the first half? Hunter Couture hit a couple of difficult shots, but Virginia Tech made 11 threes in the first half. How many of them were hard that they made? For those guys, for good shooters, feet set wide open, even if it was a few feet behind the line. How many of them were hard? Not many. All things considered. Whatever the reason. And we saw the 2-3 zone. We saw, I think it looked like a 1-3-1 a, a couple of times. But, you know, Virginia Tech, they were just getting the ball exactly what they wanted, and people were taking feet set reasonably wide open as all things considered in college basketball threes. It wasn't even like, oh, there goes the closeout flying past his hand just a, a whisk or two late. It was, huh. Somebody probably should have been sort of near there, right? And the whole thing was mystifying. And then you combine that with on offense when you've got your big three. When, when two of them, when two of your big three don't get you to double figures, JG3 had seven, and Jesse Edwards had nine points in the game. Judah had 21. When two of the three don't get to double figures, like you're not going to have a big chance to win the game anyway. So it, it was rough on uh, all accounts. I believe the stat Mike Waters had over the weekend after the game, the Orange are now one in four when Joe does not get to double figures. So that was an issue, and we'll see if he can get back on track tonight, uh, albeit against Virginia. Not the best to get back on track offensively team to have to deal with in the country. Virginia. If you want to get back rolling again. But it was just rough. It was rough. Jim Beheim did make the change to the starting lineup that I think many have been clamoring for now for a while. Malik Brown replaced Benny Williams. And uh, we talked about this. It was uh, Chris Joseph on the postgame show. And uh, Chris will be with me on postgame again tonight after... Syracuse and Virginia will have you uh, wherever you are listening right now. ESPN 97.7 in the queues. We'll have you on QSportsTalk.com. Taking your calls. All that good stuff after the game tonight. And Malik played fine. 11.6 boards, 33 minutes in the first start of his career. So there's no reason you'd think he wouldn't start again. Like Jim Beheim doesn't do those starting changes lightly. I realize he says it's more important who's in the game for more minutes and who finishes than who's in there at the beginning. And that is true in many respects. But 
you know, some coaches are. Uh, they change the starting lineup every game, every other game. And it doesn't really matter a lot. Like, wow, nine different starting lineups this year. That's a lot. But, you know, if you're on a team like that, you get used to it. Well, Coach Bayheim is very often a. Like, he would prefer to be a one starting lineup in every game all year guy. That would mean, A, that the correct starting lineup was the one that started the year, and B, nobody got hurt. That'd be good. Only change the Orange had made to the starting five before this last game was when uh, Benny was sick and missed the first Virginia game. In that game, John Bowles started, and then uh, Malik Brown played the final 36 minutes and had, at that point, a career game. But I would imagine, barring something peculiar, like this change of Benny for Malik, that that is the change for the rest of the year. That is not something uh, generally that gets changed and then gets undone under the tenure of Jim Beheim. So we shall see tonight, but I would presume that Benny Williams will be making his, or pardon me, Malik Brown will be making his second career start. We'll see what Benny provides off the bench, because the answer Saturday was not a whole lot. Seven minutes, no points, one rebound. That is essentially the big squadoosh. That is nothing. And while, yes, it made sense to have Malik in the starting lineup, he'd been playing and producing at a vastly higher level than Benny recently. Man, you still need something off the bench. You need you need Benny to do something. And Saturday there wasn't much. I'll be interested to see how Samir Torrance is used uh, tonight. Man, we've uh, we've talked a lot about Samir uh, recently. Eight points, five boards in fifteen minutes. We'll hear from Jim on that after the game. He was you know half joking. He's like, man, if I knew Joe wasn't going to play that well, I would have played Samir even more. I don't know how that'll factor going forward tonight. But uh, this Virginia team, you know, the offense was kind of discombobulated on Saturday when you have two of your top three not really scoring despite getting to 70. Like getting to 70, even just 70 against Virginia is a Herculean effort. So we'll see how the Arge can put this thing together and try to find a way tonight because this is one of those games. Like all these years, even when the Arge are struggling, Syracuse always gets at least one of these games. Always. Will this year join the rest of them? You're running out of chances, too. Nine games remaining. Four of the remaining nine are currently quad one games. And, you know, look, I get Clemson is leading the league right now. Pitt is Pitt, you know, of. But if games that, like, announce you as a factor, and this is dumb to not include Clemson in they are leading the league, so I will admit this is a dumb thing to say to start off with. But if games that, like, announce you, Virginia and Duke, those are the main two remaining on the table. Clemson, yes, but, you know, history factors in. But tonight and the Duke game coming up in a few weeks. Historically, Syracuse wins at least one of these games. Historically. We shall see how this year fits into that, and we will start again tonight, 7 o'clock tip in the Dome. Access pregame at 6, me and Christio around 9 or so whenever we are done from the Dome with uh, your calls after the game. Looking forward to that on the Burdick Lexus and Burdick BMW postgame show right here. With that, we will take a break. Phone lines are open at 315-437-7644. Our guest today, West Durham, ACC Network at 3. Mike Barber, Richmond Times-Dispatch coming up at 3.30 to get you ready for tonight's game against Virginia. Hear a little bit of Jim Beheim after the game on Saturday, right after this at isqsportstalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk Shows on qsportstalk.com. 
It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Did I see there's a snow coming tonight or lake effect or something? I don't think that ever bothered the Beach Boys, huh? Rolling along here on this Monday in the Qs. Got you here all week long. Game day, game night tonight. Virginia, 7 o'clock. Dome, Axe, pregame, 6 o'clock. Me, Chris Joe, postgame, 9-ish. The game, TK99. That happens in the middle of pregame and postgame for those uninitiated to how we do things around here. Looking forward to all that. Full coverage on the radio on QSportsTalk.com here today. Up and down our hallways. Not football season for the Orange. Just one game left of uh, any notable kind, unless you're uh, really into whatever the heck they're doing for the Pro Bowl this year. And if you're not, uh, just the Super Bowl remains. We'll get into that a a little bit. But uh, Chiefs and Eagles? Will there be an Eagle tonight at the Dome? Why? Why? Maybe? I don't know. There's words out there. Maybe. But anyway, uh, setting that aside, Oh, at the same time the basketball game is happening tonight, uh, they will be revealing the ACC football schedule this evening on ACC Network. Now, why they are revealing the ACC football schedule on the ACC Network like during a primetime ACC basketball game, like the prime big Monday, like the primetime ACC basketball game of the week at the same time, why, yeah. You know, now you're asking questions that are 17 levels above my head and I can't begin to answer that. And like, why, why, why do we got to pay? Like, they're all happening at the same time. Why? Why? Nonetheless, they will be revealing the entirety of the ACC football schedule this evening. We already know, you know, all the teams the Orange are playing. Uh, and now, with the announcement earlier today, we know all of the locales that said games uh, will be played at. As officially announced by uh, the Yankees and Syracuse and all the people that announced these things earlier today, that Syracuse and Pittsburgh will be playing against Yankee Stadium on Veterans Day uh, this year, 11-11. It is the 100th anniversary of the first ever football game in Yankee Stadium. Not to the day, but to the year, back in 1923. Back in 1923, where if you played on Veterans Day, you wouldn't have been playing on Veterans Day at all. You would have been playing on Armistice Day. That is neither here nor there, because the first ever meeting at Yankee Stadium between Syracuse and Pittsburgh, which was the first ever football game at the house that uh, Ruth had very recently just built was Syracuse and Pitt. Happened on October the 20th of 1923. It was a barn burner. Syracuse had a field goal. Pittsburgh had zero points. It was 3 nothing Qs. And there have been, you know, more than 100 football games played at the various iterations in various Yankee stadiums since then, of which the Orange have partaken now in uh, 10 Yankee Stadium games of all time, most recently the Pinstripe Bowl, which went uh, not so hot back a month ago. But, The main thing that stands out here is the good and the bad. Invited to be a part of history. Well, that's good. I like history. Claiming your place in the historical landscape of college football is never a bad thing. Just because you were in the first thing 100 years ago doesn't mean anyone cares to have you back, but they do. So here you are. Played Pitt 100 years ago. You're playing them now. Play them there. All right. That's kind of cool. That's a thing. That's noteworthy. Also noteworthy is that would have been a home game. That game would have been played inside the dome. And now, not. 
So now the Orange will have, in their 12-game schedule, six games at home. Colgate, Western Michigan, Army, Clemson, Wake Forest, Boston College. Five on the road, including Purdue and four other ACC games. And then the neutral site game against Pittsburgh. And I know, you know, Syracuse, like, people are aware. Like, when you make a deal like this, there's a balance of things. Obviously, there's money on one side. You do not make deals like this if there is not money on one side. I don't know what the money is into Syracuse, but in order to make a deal like this, the money had to be worth your while, right? If it wasn't, why would you do it? But there is the negative. You had a seven-game Dome package, and now you have six. You had seven chances to make it easier to win games in the Dome for your head coach, Dino Babers, with two years presumptively remaining on his contract. And now you have six. And we all know Dino. Like, Dino's not going to come out and say anything bad about this. He won't poo-poo. But uh, this does make his job harder next year. Like next year, one of these years has got to be a must-win year for him. And, you know, he got to the bowl game this year, and you, you want to do it again next year. But, you know, at some point, uh, the rubber's going to meet the road with Dino's contract and the future of the Orange football program, where it will either need to be ended or extended. And rarely these days is that after the contract's actually over. So say it's actually over in two years, that means for all intents and purposes – in big boy real world college football, that means it's actually over next year. And now Dino's staring at it with six home games when he could have had seven. So that's tough. Like, these are tough decisions. Finances in college football these days are vitally important, as is winning. And as are your season ticket holders. And I know there have been emails that have gone out to season ticket holders and saying, okay, you know, when details are more hammered out, you will get... um, a chance to buy tickets for this game at whatever rate and blah, 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 and accommodations. And I I thought this was nice, you know, that season ticket holders will get a quote-unquote seventh ticket and it will be to something else, whether they want, you know, an equivalent ticket to another football game next year or basketball games next year or lacrosse or whatever. Those will be available to season ticket holders. So that's nice. Like, you you have to realize that that the blowback's coming and be there to meet it. So that seems to have been done. But it's it's the good and bad of the games like this. Going back now a decade ago. And it was a decade ago to that USC game at MetLife Stadium. That was a game ticketed originally for the Carrier Dome that got moved to MetLife. Why? Large check. Big honking check going the other way to Syracuse. Financially, the upside was better than whatever blowback you were going to take from moving the game. And I get it. You know, people would have liked to see USC in the Dome. Yeah, that would have been cool. But at the end of the day, money talks. I don't know what the money is on this, but it must be significant enough to make Syracuse say, okay, this year we could have had seven home games. Six six is going to have to do, and we're going to move it to Yankee Stadium. Now, the history of it's kind of cool. I did not realize that Syracuse played in literally the first ever football game in, in Yankee Stadium. You would have figured it would have been like, I don't know, Fordham, Columbia, Army, like Yale and Princeton. 
you know, I'm trying to think in the the way back machine. You know, Notre Dame used games like that to kind of build themselves. Even 23 is still like a, a year or two too early for that. The four horsemen weren't, you know, marauding across the country quite yet with Newt Rockney in 23. That was to come, but, you know, people wonder, like, Syracuse's place in the history of college football remains significant when you go back and look at those old-timey newsreels and all that stuff. I don't know if anyone's going to dig up footage of the 23 game in Yankee Stadium. What archive that's buried deep in the pit of. See if you can find the field goal from that game. Who's got a box score? Houston Pitt, 23. But they'll be there again. It's tough, though, that it's the Pitt game that you're moving. It's, you know, it's part of the reason there is the history. You have been playing Pittsburgh for that long. You've played them every year consecutively back to 55. You've played them for a long time, a very long time. So it stinks to give away a dome game. And on the other side of it, now you look at the dome schedule. Colgate, hmm. Western Michigan. Mm. Army. I bet the Army game will draw well. Fort Drum, military types. Like, people go see Army. Clemson. Yeah, when people will come see Clemson. Wake. Yeah. The games have been compelling with Wake. The attendance for Wake games, not as much. And Boston College, which is uh, somewhere between mm and mm. Slot that in. The BC games become kind of interesting. Like, it's feeling more like a rivalry on the field. Like, the teams clearly have not gotten along well with each other recently. They haven't played so nice on the field. But you haven't felt uh, a rivalry fired up between the fan base. I would love to see when the schedule comes out tonight and every year. You want to build something? Here's how you build something. And they've come close to it, but they haven't done it. Park that BC game on Thanksgiving Saturday. Not some years. Not most of the time. Park it there every year. Put it there every year. So I have a chance at actually building something when it comes to uh, tradition and uh, all of that. We shall see. Official ACC football schedule release will be happening right during the basketball game tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow, I'm sure. Um, Hopefully, we're glued enough to the basketball game tonight. We don't even really notice it happen uh, this evening, because that would, in theory, mean that the game is going okay uh, when it comes to uh, what's happening in the Dome tonight. But uh, kind of annoying that it's all happening at the same time this evening. But Orange and Pittsburgh at Yankee Stadium this year, the 100th anniversary of the first game there that was between Syracuse and Pittsburgh. With that, we uh, take a break. We'll head to the phone lines. Uh, Vito, hang on. We'll get to you when we come back right after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. All right, rolling along on this Monday. Game night in the Qs. Big Monday. Virginia's in town. Could, could they send somebody else in their place? That's a, a terrifying fact that Virginia... Is a down seven-point game the last time, but kind of a fake seven. The Orange were down 23 midway through the second half of that one. We'll see how attempt two against the Cavaliers goes tonight. Pre-game coverage with Axe at six. Myself, Chris Joseph, post-game coming up uh, nine-ish whenever we are done uh, with the game. That is how post-game shows work, people. We wait for the game to be over, and then we talk about it. We can talk about uh, what's going to happen before the game, though, right now with Vito. Vito in Liverpool is not with us. Vito, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing good, man. I, I actually uh, just left Point Place Casino. I just want to say this one thing before I get to SU basketball. And my friends out there, you, you're listening. You heard me yesterday. I said that that Eagles uh, game was the easiest money ever in sports history, in my opinion. Even easier than North Carolina versus St. Peter's last year. <laughs> so I walked out. I, I walked out of Point Place like a boss. Let me just say. All right. Well, congrats to you, Vito. I'm glad that you were able to clean up on that. Yeah, that was that was it was a good one. So let me just say this: uh, I, I, I'm I'm at a point now where I'm kind of resigned to the fact that this is just it's not a good team. Uh, you know, they've got a, a huge swath of their wins against the bottom five in the conference. You know, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Louisville, and them. Um, and you know, the real tests were these games. Uh, you know, but let me just say this. I mean, the UNC game and the Miami game, they, they, they should have won those games. I mean, they, they, they were good enough to win those games, but part of that, you know, characterization of how good you are is how do you close out the games? And if you're not closing out close games, I think it's fair to say that you're just not a good team. So, I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm hoping for a win. I have an exciting week coming. I'm flying out Thursday night to, to see them in Boston with my family. Uh, I was hoping we were going to pick up two wins and kind of clean up a little bit after the UNC and Miami losses, but we're now we're over one in these two. They got, you know, it's halfway through the season. I mean, they, they still have a chance, but it's like, I'm, I, like I said, I'm at a point where I'm like, are they good enough to do it? And, and I look at a couple games. I look at the Virginia Tech game from Saturday. They get Couture back. And we come into the season with Bayheim saying how he's open to, you know, possibly switching to man-to-man when needed. So I look at that game as a point, a case in point for that. At halftime, they were they were 11 for 20 from three, and they had 52 points. Mm-hmm. If you're not switching there, when are you switching? No, you Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Vito, I, I think that's just the sign and uh, the, the faith, or I guess lack thereof, that uh, Coach has in what, what the man would look like if, if you're not switching at that point, right? Yeah, I, I know, but it's like you can't get worse than what we were seeing, and it's like if you're not going to try something else, it's, 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 it's like beating, beating yourself over the head. And, it's, and then you go back to, you know, and, and one argument people make is, you know, when you're playing your in-conference teams and, you know, they've seen the zone from you before and they know how to attack it. And then you see someone like Illinois just absolutely destroy us. And, you know, the, the people make the argument that we're in the Steph Curry area, Steph Curry era where, you know, it's just, outside shooting that's all people do is they just throw it around the perimeter and then you look at how virginia attacked it or virginia tech attacked it it was unbelievable they had the guy flashing the high post they had the guy running the baseline they stretched it out with the guys in the corner they did everything to it and we had no way to stop it and he still didn't switch and at this point i'm like you know pat called in the other show and he said uh uh, uh that we need bigger guards um I, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that's, this is a good makeup of a team. We, the best team in the zone ever was that 2012 that went to the Final Four. They had the big guards at the top with Trish and MCW. I, I don't think we're ever going to see that again. But uh, that, I don't know. I, I tr- I'm trying not to sound so negative, guys, but uh, it, it stinks when, you know, it's so exciting to go into March and, and, and wait for Selection Sunday. And every year now we sweat it or we, or we know we don't, we're not in, you know. So um, tell Pauly, though, to have me a, a lobster roll down at the court before the game. I'm picking uh, up from him. I, I will pass that along, Vito. I will see if he can find you a nice lobster roll in Boston on Saturday. We'll see if he can pull that off for you, okay? 
Sounds good, buddy. All right, that is uh, Vito in uh, Liverpool, and, and and you know Vito's, uh, you know he's frustrated, and it is frustrating. Like Saturday was frustrating. Oddly, not at the beginning. We've been bemoaning the slow starts, and the Orange actually led 10-9. So, hey, look at that. Changed the starting lineup. Things didn't fall apart literally from the opening tip. Here we go. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, no. That Uh-oh. Why are they all wide open? Why is that guy wide open? Why is the other guy wide open? Why is that guy wide open again? Why is he even more wide open? Oh, boy. And that, that was kind of the story of the first half. It was... Uh, it was a watch it between your fingers kind of half if you were a Syracuse fan. Uh, the second half was kind of straight up for whatever that matters. It doesn't. Like they aren't they aren't thought about maybe sort of maybe trying to kind of maybe make a run at the beginning of the second half and that that fell apart pretty quick. And then realistically, never, never did anything in the second half to make a push. And besides the, the Illinois game, it's the only game I could think this year where they didn't you know at least make a push. Didn't do something. Even the Virginia game, I get it. Like, they never actually had a chance to win the game, but you're watching it like, huh, they keep getting closer. This is peculiar. Got it down to seven, which was the final margin, but never actually made a move at him. We'll talk to uh, Wes Durham about that next. He was on the call uh, Saturday. Uh, Because of that, he talked a lot about bacon and mascots and stuff. We'll we'll talk to Wes about that and uh, talk to Wes certainly about uh, Billy Packer. Wes and uh, Mark Packer many years hosted a show on ACC Network and the Packer and Durham families go back a a long, long way when it comes to the Atlantic Coast Conference uh, long before Syracuse was involved in the ACC. So we'll talk to Wes about that as well and the football schedule coming out uh, tonight all across uh, the ACC. Wes joins us when we come back right after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.